Hello and welcome to our first series of Mastermind with me, Jason Bryan. Five contenders will take up the challenge in this series, all hoping to claim the title of Industry Mastermind and win the coveted Rocco Mastermind Award. To do that, they must answer nine unknown questions on three specialist subjects they choose, providing a pretty eclectic mix of insights for our industry. So let's get on with it and have today's contender. It's a real pleasure to be here with Roy Froman, who is the Director of Product Management and Global Pre-Sales at Starhome Mac. How are you today, Roy? Good. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing good. Okay, that's awesome. For people who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You're based in Israel? You're from Israel? Or? Yes, sure. I'm based in Israel. I'm uh, married to my lovely wife, Lila, and the father of my five-year-old teenager, as I call her, named Leah. I have a bachelor degree in biomedical engineering which has certainly no relation to telecom <laughs> and a master's degree, an MBA from the IDC in Herzliya. I've been in Star on Mac for uh, 12 and a half years. I started in our uh, global service and operation center as an operator and uh, moved my way from there through uh, product management, uh, pre-sales to my uh, current role. In my free time, I like, uh, running as a hobby and i travel a lot <laughs> yeah that's about it that's great actually thank you so we have nine questions for you uh, roy and you've already told us which of the eight categories that you'd like to answer questions on but just for the listeners at home i'm going to mention the eight categories they are blockchain iot roaming 5g messaging eSIM. OTTs and mystery. And you have chosen as your three categories, blockchain, roaming, and mystery. So awesome. So are you ready? Yes. Ready for your first question? Fire away. Brilliant. Okay. So it's on blockchain. Such a hot topic these days. With reports from IBM and financial services sector, and projecting that blockchain will drive innovation in services, bringing more transparency and more secure online payment transactions. Do you see the same happening in the financial and data clearing handling world? Yes, actually. Blockchain technology in the world of the data clearing and the financial clearing uh, can certainly make uh, a lot of sense. For example, uh, if we're looking at the same sort of equivalent of the financial industry, then in the financial clearing domain you have give or take the same transaction you have banks involved you have roaming partners involved you have yeah. financial clearing houses involved and using the blockchain technology in those domains can make the whole payment transactions in this world much more secured much more transparent and so on so there is a lot of sense in blockchain in the financial clearing and uh, also in data clearing in terms of uh, smart contracts this is certainly a direction we are exploring here in Star Mac. Yeah. No, it's interesting, isn't it? Because one question might be then if blockchain becomes mainstream in those areas, do we have any idea about when it might come? It's, it's an excellent question. <laughs> I think the 
question behind it is a matter of critical mass. Because while blockchain can be implemented, let's say, in sort of small channels or small ecosystems between, let's say, two roaming partners, two banks and two clearinghouses, that's not enough for the industry to adopt it. But I assume clearing, it will come from a push from all players in the market. And as long as it will reach a critical mass, sometime after that, it will become more dominant. If I need to put my thoughts into it, I, I would assume that within a couple of years, we will reach these critical mass of operators using blockchain technology for the different uh, clearinghouse related transactions. Yeah, good answer. I think obviously it's a huge hot topic these days, but maybe we can't yet really see within our industry the, the use cases. But clearly, I think it's coming. It's definitely coming. As with any industry, blockchain will have to have some industry standards and norms implemented, right? Who do you think will drive the creation of these standards and their enforcement, let's say? Again, if we look at the discussions, even before the blockchain, looking at uh, a tapless billing, for example, then there is the usual drivers, usual players, the big operators of the industry, the GSMA and the vendors. I would expect that the parties involved will get together in the usual format of the, the working groups of the GSMA and then come up with the standards because it will not make sense for each vendor or each clearinghouse or each operator to have its own way of doing a blockchain transaction. That It won't work. It needs to be interchangeable in a way. Yeah. And another comment, if I may, I mean, we were talking about blockchain in the aspect of the clearing, but there is a lot of potential looking at the network or vast related services as well. You preempted my third question on blockchain. Okay, so go ahead. <laughs> so my third question is, how is blockchain useful, would you say, to mobile network operators and what they offer? Yeah, there are a number of areas, I assume there are more than what's in my mind, but there are a number of areas I can think of using blockchain other than the clearing domain. One could be fraud management or fraud prevention to be more precise. There are additional opportunities such as the identity as a service and data management that operators could offer other industries. In terms of the 5G, which is again a hot topic in the industry at the moment, uh, there are use cases for blockchain as well, and the IoT as well, sort of making the sort of communication and authentication between devices in a more secure and transparent way, so to say. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you, Roy, for your answers. Sure. It's a really interesting topic. I'm sure we're going to hear much more about that coming through. So we're on to the fourth question now. We're into the section on roaming. So... Obviously, roaming is a huge area which is changing a lot these days. Our first question is around 4G roaming. And, you know, naturally, it's becoming cheaper in the Western world, what with regulation, etc. Also, the international trend towards RALA-style tariffs that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not clear always to subscribers about what kind of quality to expect from roaming. Do you see that roaming quality of service is a factor that mobile subscribers will take into account in the future? Yes, definitely. Actually, not in the future, in the present already. 
as the prices are eroding and in certain cases abolished, like uh, for looking at Europe, then the competition for the subscribers' uh, attention and money, etc., is going to different fields. So you cannot battle forever on price neither in, in roaming nor on domestic packages. So quality becomes an important parameter. And roamers today are much more aware of the quality of service they're getting in their mobile phone because they're much more aware of it at home. So they expect when they travel to get at least the same quality of service as they're used to. So degradation of service because you're roaming is no longer acceptable by the majority of roamers. Do you think it could become a factor where if I choose a mobile network operator, cost isn't a factor, but quality is a factor? Most definitely, yes. Yeah. Especially, by the way, if you're looking at enterprise customers. Yeah. This is a, a very, very strong parameter. I can tell you that uh, companies like ourselves, where we have big portion of employees traveling abroad quite oftenly, quite often, the parameter of quality of service which they're get the, those roamers are getting from the mobile operators abroad is an important factor. No, it is. And it leads on to the second question about roaming, which is kind of on the regulation. So we know that within the EU we have roaming regulation. We also had the recent GDPR. Right. So can you imagine a day when regulation comes in on roaming quality of service? And let's say maybe a kind of penalty in case mobile network operators don't follow the right amount of quality? Okay, it's an interesting question. My take on that is that quality of service would be driven by commercial aspects or considerations before it will be driven by regulation. And what I mean is, as I stated before, when operators are now fighting for the best quality of service, when they go ahead and choose their preferred roaming partner, they will start taking quality of service into account. Mm. And, and should they have the opportunity, they might also insert in the agreements with that roaming partner certain quality of service KPIs. And then if penalty or not, it's a good question. It depends on the agreement. From a regulation point of view, I would assume that if they do go in this direction, they would go on the do no harm approach, which means that, or net neutrality, sometimes it's called in this way, where operators are not allowed to sort of degrade the service they are providing to certain roamers. But I find it a bit hard to believe if they're going to set quality of service related KPIs and then start measuring operators on that mm -hmm. in the roaming context. Locally, they might do something like that, but they will be focused more on assuring that the operators provide decent and worthy quality of service within their country yeah. before. Now, I think it's true that today it's down to the operators to compete with each other on quality and not to mm -hmm. be regulated, I guess. But it's interesting, with GDPR coming through so strongly, it's worth asking a question. So, last question on roaming. IoT, Internet of Things, has brought the issue of permanent roaming to the table. How prepared and how willing are MNOs, would you say, to subscribe to permanent roaming today? Do they even understand it? 
they for sure understand the what does permanent roaming mean. They do express concerns. There is now a question of what can be done and at what level. So, for example, in Brazil, permanent roaming is not allowed by law. You cannot stay there forever with your SIM card, be it a person, a human, or a device. From the operator's point of view, permanent roaming, either if it's outbound permanent roaming, they might face the cost structure problem. And if it's inbound permanent roaming on their network, then there is a portion of the network sort of allocated but used by devices which not necessarily sort of cover their costs, even if it's inbound. So they are aware, they are talking about it. I do not think that at the moment operators are taking concrete actions to prevent the situation, but I assume that with the rise of the IoT and the number of devices, this problem will become more and more acute and they will attend it sooner rather than later. Yeah. No, it's certainly with the roaming regulation happening and the fair use policies for regulation. Obviously, I know of people who are living in different countries and using the service of their home operator and yeah, finding workarounds, let's say. The roaming regulation, if it's in Europe, that roam like home or the upcoming regulation in in Africa, in the ECOWAS uh, region, is posing concern because exactly the situation you described, which is uh, permanent roamers not related to IoT, but people using SIM cards from their home country permanently abroad. And this is a problem cost-wise and and resource-wise. And the regulator sort of drafted a way out in those situations for the mobile operators. Some are using tools like tools we offer to detect and analyze the usage pattern and the roaming patterns and then take action which they're allowed to by law uh, in order to minimize the effect of these sort of abuse scenarios, etc. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting area to watch, isn't it, as it emerges more and more regulation around the world. And I think for, of course, Internet of Things, it's already there and requires some specific attention. So, mm-hmm. okay, right, we're on to the last three questions and the third the category. Mystery ones. Yeah, the mystery ones. Three completely different areas, but I'm sure that you're going to have some good answers to these. The last one is a bit tricky, but... I'm sure you can handle it. Okay. (laughs) So the first one then, with Wi-Fi networks being cheaper to deploy without the need to buy expensive licenses and allowing Mm -hmm. service on all kinds of devices, why Mm -hmm. are mobile network operators not adopting more Wi-Fi as their standard means of networking? I think this question has two answers. One certain mobile operators are adopting it not to replace the mobile network okay but as an add-on they offer their own wi-fi services across cities countries etc they address this wi-fi topic while roaming okay so they have agreements with wi-fi aggregators etc allowing their subscribers to sort of log into wi-fi networks the other answer is related to the uh, topic uh, of quality of service. 
Wi-Fi is much more dependent on the, let's say, individual infrastructure, I would call it. Yeah. Okay? Rather than something more centralized. I can tell you personally that there are cases with the package that I have that at home or in roaming, I prefer to use 4G over Wi-Fi because of quality of service issues. It's much more stable, it's much more fast. So why bother registering to the Wi-Fi when I'm always connected to a good, stable and fast network? Yeah, it is indeed interesting, isn't it, that with regulation in the EU, at least, it seems to be that subscribers are less likely to look for Wi-Fi these days. 4G is a good quality network and they're getting everything they need within their package. So Correct. it's a good debate. Okay, thank you for the answer. And the next question then is on OTTs. OTTs, or let's say we can also call them the chat apps, are undoubtedly gaining influence globally. If you were to put all of them in a boxing ring and ask them to fight it out, which three would be left standing and why? Good question. Interesting one, I must say. <laughs> From my uh, experience and discussions with people around the world, the chatting apps is very interesting because it's a regional trend. I mean, or not trend, but there is a regional winner. Okay. While across uh, Europe, WhatsApp is quite dominant from my experience. In the US, Facebook Messenger, from my understanding and experience, is, is still stronger than the rest. And if you go to China, then you have WeChat, I remember, if I remember correctly the name, which is the Chinese equivalent of those two. So those three, I would imagine, would be the last three standing. And the reason for that is their uh, customer base and user habits, uh, which not so easily move from one ch chatting app to the other. Okay, good. Yeah, it's um, obviously dependent upon integration in the market as well, isn't it? If you have a ubiquitous solution everybody's using, it's for sure going to be around for a long time. Correct. Yeah. Okay, last question then. And it's a tough one, but I'm sure you can handle it. Okay, so which do you think are the three best MNOs in the world and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not best in any one specific area, across the board in general. If we think of MNOs around the world who are game changing or moving things forward. I'm not going to lose customers because of this question, but uh, okay, <laughs> let me think. I know it's a tough question because you have a huge customer base. You have many, many operators in many different countries. It's more around kind of who the one, the brands that you think about in the market in general, who are innovating, who've been there a long time, who are moving things forward a bit. The first one that pops in my mind, I think, is AT&T in the US. I think they represent a very interesting way of thinking for a mobile operator. You can see that they're pushing innovations in, in or progress in various domains, 
NFV, for example, they're one of the leaders in terms of deployment and moving their 5G. They're taking the traditional quad play into different levels with the acquisition of Time Warner, sometimes back. So they're presenting, from my eyes, a very interesting combination of activities under the umbrella of mobile operator. And another interesting operator, I think, is uh, SK from Korea. Okay, yeah. while not as big as AT&T, of course, still, when sort of randomly looking at the internet for the new technologies and listening to industry leadership and trying to get information from there, you stumble across the SK quite a lot, actually. So for me, this is a very interesting operator to follow. Yeah, clearly they're a leader, been very clear that, you know, anything happening on 4 or 5G is happening there first, at least. Or, you know, uh, yes. NTT, Docomo and others around that region. Yeah, uh, yeah that's true. Between uh, Korea and, and Japan, most definitely everything that has to do with innovation will start or very fast be present over there. And uh, last, I think looking at the T-Mobile group, it's uh, also very interesting their own capabilities with uh, T-Systems. They, uh, again, are looking always forward and are expanding and are moving around if, if we're looking at the latest news um, regarding T-Mobile and Sprint in the US, which will then in turn put them in, in cooperation with SoftBank. So, so they're moving things around in the fraud fighting domain. They're, they have very interesting insights and plans going forward. So. They are a very interesting uh, MNO group as well. Yeah, I have to agree. I think that for the 20 years that I've worked in this sector, they've always been one of the leaders in the industry. So yeah, I think it's a very good choice. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, this is a, di- a difficult question, but it's your opinions, obviously not your opinions of your company. So it's good to recognize, let's say, some operators out there who are in leadership positions but I thank you very much for your time. You answered all the questions and some great insights. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's really great to meet you. If you like this Mastermind Challenger, go onto LinkedIn and like the post and tell them what you think in the comments. The winner is the participant with the most likes on LinkedIn. Likes will be calculated two weeks after publication of their podcast. This has been the Mastermind Challenge. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Rocker Radio.